Welcome, welcome, welcome to Embracing the Gray with Vic and Kels, where we are here to challenge the all or nothing thinking when it comes to all things food, body, and mindset. And today's topic, I'm actually really excited to talk about it, emotional eating. Um, I know that this is something that a lot of our clients um, have struggled with. It is definitely something that I have struggled with and can sometimes fall uh, back into from time to time. And um, interestingly enough, something came up to me um, this week on one of our group coaching calls that she, like our client wouldn't have ever thought that she was binge eating. Like she never would have labeled it as binge eating. She just labeled it as emotional eating, that that just kind of felt more normal or more, um, I don't know, just, and she was just like, this is just a part, I thought that this is just how people lived, right? I thought that actually my relationship with food was normal, that emotional eating was normal. And um, so I think it's really interesting topic to talk about. And I've got my own stories and things that I will open up and share. But first, how are you, Miss Vic? Lovely. Um... So it's interesting, just perspectives. Like I would never consider, I never was like, oh my gosh, I struggle with emotional eating. Mm -hmm. Like even yesterday I was trying to think of, I don't know. Like I've, I never would have put it as emotional eating. I would have just put it as like, you need other coping strategies, Victoria. Like it's not, I think that, so I don't know that that's kind of my perspective. Um, and then the other thing I was thinking about, I was on a walk yesterday and I was like, we're always experiencing emotions. So therefore we are always emotionally eating some way, somehow underlying at the base of it all. Um, and so, and then I started thinking, okay, so like, is it, it's the distressing motion emotions that people are most distressed by. And that's why they say that they're emotional eaters. And then there's also the aspect of like, when you're experiencing the highs of life and kind of how we talk like, oh my gosh, like I deserve this. I get this. And it's like, do you really want it? Do you actually, is this actually going to make you feel good? Um, so it was just interesting thinking about it, knowing we were going to talk about it and just being like, oh, I would have never really said, oh, I emotionally eat. Um, but that it's all kind of the same. Like it's all, it's all the same. Like, and at the end of the day, guys, like I, whether it be, whether you call it binge eating, stress eating, emotional eating, whatever else, I would really like that everyone start looking at it under the lens of it's a habit. Yeah. Like that it really is that whatever a habit is, right. There's all these different pieces to it. There's that, but the, if we were thinking to the most basic um, cycle of a habit, there's a cue or a trigger, then you have the actual behavior or routine and then the reward. Um, and James Clear in Atomic Habits has four pieces where he talks about like the cue, which then creates a craving, which then leads to the routine or, or leads to the behavior, and then um, obviously follows up with a reward. But um, so just recognizing that either way, if we can start, regardless of what you're labeling this behavior, A, if it's something that you find distressing or it is a behavior where for me, like I used to feel like I blacked out. Like I legit felt like I blacked out or I was on autopilot or all of a sudden I would wake up and I was like 10 spoonfuls deep in the peanut butter jar. And I was like, whoa, how did I get here? <laughs> mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And so like, 
it's just recognizing, like if you all of a sudden find yourself in the pantry and you didn't, you don't even really remember getting there, just recognizing that this is a habit that was triggered by something. And Mm -hmm. the, I love when we talk about triggers and habits because there are five triggers to any habit. So just kind of take a moment guys, sit back. And I want you to think about like, what are some of the things that might be triggering me? Number one would be location, like where you are, maybe um, like whenever you're in the kitchen or something else, like you automatically just go to the pantry. You don't even realize it. It could be time of day, right? Like maybe it's um, after dinner or um, it, you know, whatever else, like there might be a certain time of day that you're finding yourself just going to the pantry and just that time of day is the trigger enough. Um, It could be the people you're around or the people you're not around, right? It could be when you're, you find yourself alone or like we've definitely talked about, like there's different people in our lives. Um, a, lot, a lot of the clients, it's their mothers. When they're around their mothers, they are quite triggered. <laughs> um, so it was very, that was an interesting aha. Um, but just kind of recognizing, are there certain people that you find yourself eating more around just because they're, you're kind of triggered by it? Um, the other one is um, something that the, the immediate preceding action. So this would be things like, I, I've had this since I was a kid, like I would come home from school and immediately go right to the refrigerator or I'd come home from work and immediately go right to the refrigerator. It wasn't even that I really wanted something. I have to watch it here because I'll finish a Zoom meeting and immediately want to go to the pantry. I'm like, you're not even hungry, (laughs) but it's just, you get into this like immediate proceeding action. And the last one guys, which we will be talking about today is your emotional state. And I really want you guys to start becoming aware of these and like being able, and we'll talk about like the four steps to emotional resilience but just kind of recognizing like there may be certain emotions that are triggering you to eat. And a lot of times they tend to be uncomfortable emotions. They tend to be a fear of rejection, um, feeling lonely, feeling inadequate, not feeling good enough, um, feeling like you just like you're overwhelmed or stressed or sad, whatever else, like those or shame. Like if you're not, you know, if you feel bad about something that you've done. So AKA, if you feel bad about something you just ate, that may be continuing to trigger you to keep eating. Um, But those are the five triggers to a habit. And so obviously we're gonna be focusing on one of those things today, but just wanted to put that out there. Yeah, and I think that when you're tackling this, like the most, I guess, it's a sense of hope knowing that it is a habit because it's always something I think in the book, or no, it's a podcast that James Clear was on. Like, it's not a habit if you're not doing it on a consistent basis. And so you're going to be eating for the rest of your life. You're going to be drinking for the rest of your life. So you're going to have to work on it for the rest of your life. And there are going to be meals that are not so good. There's going to be meals that are incredible. And then there's also just these neutral, everyday, just eating experiences. Um, And so I think that one of the things that kind of was, a breath of fresh air was knowing that it was a habit and that there wasn't something innately wrong with me and that I could, if I really, 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 really wanted to, I could try my hardest to like instill habits that are more effective and less not effective. I don't like, sometimes I don't like to say the word healthy. I just like Mm -hmm. to say, is this effective for your life? Is this putting you, like we said in the last podcast, like in the trajectory, generally speaking of where you want to go. Um, And when Kelsey and I first met, that was like one of the things we were talking about was it's just a habit. And at one point there might have been that, you know, 
that trigger that that started this whole you know digging this groove in your neural pathway um but you have the ability to carve out a new path and you have a built an ability to say okay i'm feeling anxious or i'm feeling alone or i'm feeling whatever distress whatever emotion and choose to go on a different path and it's going to feel really weird and it's going to feel like wait you know why is like i could just do the easy thing but if you're really trying to actively work on this um sometimes it's not going to be the most comfortable and it's not going to feel as safe i guess is the word yeah no for sure and like i think you 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 hit the nail on the head like as far as like guys it's it's not about I think that this is one of the issues, right? So often we think, well, if I just want to stop doing this thing, I just need to like stop. Like, I'm just going to not eat. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like you've still been triggered by something. So instead of just stopping, what can we replace that behavior with, or that routine with that can give us a similar reward? And this is kind of why I really like um, James Clear's like kind of structure of the habit loop, right? Where it's that cue, craving, routine, reward. So if we can recognize what the craving is, the craving usually is, we think it's food. Oh, I just want sugar. No, no, no. What you really are craving is distraction. What you really are craving is to not feel this way anymore, right? So more often than not, we are searching for distraction. So what are some, like you said, some more serving or some more um, effective behaviors or things that we can do that can lead to that distraction, which for me, as if you've heard this podcast at all, you know, it's walking now, no lie. I live in Phoenix right now and it's July. So it is 114 degrees like all afternoon and it is really difficult to go outside and well you're in Vegas right now you you know I've been experiencing like 108 and I'm like okay I'm good like <laughs> and you know my thighs aren't the smallest thing so I have like thigh rash or whatever I'm just like this is not I want to go back to Idaho <laughs> oh my gosh I never thought I'd have a Phoenix summer again but Anyway, um, so obviously mine was walking, um, but some other things like even just going out for a drive, turning on a favorite song and doing some dancing. Um, the biggest things, guys, if you want to change your state, there are two things, right? And your state is your emotional state or well-being or whatever else. Two things that you need to change in order to feel differently. And you always have the power to do this, all right? And this number one is your focus, right? So what are you focusing on? Are you focusing on, oh my gosh, I'm so depressed right now. Oh my gosh, this sucks. Oh my gosh, like I can't believe like whatever this and this happened, like life is so unfair, blah, 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 right? So you can instead focus on, Again, I know it's so cliche, but it's true. You can focus on what you can appreciate. You can focus on gratitude. You can focus on the people that you do have in your life. You can focus on the things you do have going in your life. By the way, again, if you are listening to this on an iPhone or on a computer, that's something to be grateful for. If you can listen and hear it all, you've got ears that can hear, that is something to be grateful for. If you've got feet and, and legs that can walk, like there are so many things that we can be grateful for. And so just taking that shift in focus can be so helpful in changing our state. But number two is changing your physiology, right? So right now I'd love it if you're listening, like 
I want you to like literally just kind of show me, not show me, but like show yourself, what does a depressed person look like? What does their body look like? What does their posture look like? What, you know what I mean? Like, and feel how that impacts how you even feel. Then like go into like, what is a posture of someone who's really happy, who's confident, who's excited? Like you can see it, like all of a sudden their shoulders roll back. They're sitting up nice and tall. Like even you can hear the inflection in my voice change. And so just recognizing that you have the ability, they had this whole study done. I don't know all the details, but like they had people who said that they were like depressed or they, they were clinically depressed or whatever else. And they would have them stand in the mirror and smile. And like, even though it felt ridiculous and it wasn't even a real smile, it actually impacted their depression over time that like they, it, again, I'll have to find the study. I'll find the study. I'll put it in the show notes. You guys can check it out. Um, but it, it is just fascinating to realize that if you change your focus and you change your physiology, right, just go dance, do some yoga, stretch. I know I have, we have a client, Becca, who had like changed her state by like popping down and doing a couple pushups, um, going for a walk, whatever else. Like it really does help. Yeah. And sometimes like I, what are, okay. So I want you to tell me your top three and then I'll okay. tell you my top three. And then, and then I want to hear why this, I want to hear the story behind this topic today. Oh, okay. Okay. I, so my top three, I, I like to, I like to clean. Like I, if I'm overwhelmed with my environment, I would just like to kind of clean it up a little bit. Um, lately it's been either, I mean, yesterday I just went and walked on the treadmill at the gym and it was not 108 degrees in there. Um, and then I've also been listening to a lot of podcasts and different, different podcasts that I would normally kind of gravitate towards. And it's, it's kind of nice to just be like, okay, I'm going to zone out for 45 minutes, not do anything that I like that somebody else is asking me to do and just mm -hmm. listen to this. And then I can get back to my normal little daily life. I love that. Actually, it's, I don't know if she'll be listening, but Priscilla, one of our clients, she talks about how she's definitely like you and likes to clean. Like it, and just like it, it's a, that is an excellent, if you enjoy cleaning, Hey, that's also productive. That's a form of self care. Yeah. And that's, that's awesome. Right. Like, yeah, get it. Um, that is not mine. No, <laughs> no um, so I guess like top three, obviously walking when I can and, and if I, something physical. So if I can, um, if I, if I can't get out and walk, then I will go to the gym, like you said, and do like the treadmill or lifting in general for me, exercise and movement. It's where I feel most confidence. It's, it's where I feel really good. And so, um, but it's just recognizing too, like, I can't be overdoing that either. So, yeah. um, just making sure that I'm listening to and honoring my body. So other things like when I'm really overwhelmed or if I'm really down, like one of the things I've, I've started doing this more and more lately, actually, is I literally just lay down and I, I set a timer for somewhere between 10 to 20 minutes. Sometimes I'll start with 10 minutes. And then if I want to go 10 minutes longer, I will. Um, but I put on my little, like, I, I just lay down in my bed and I put on my eye mask thing so that mm -hmm. like it's dark and whether I sleep or not, is not the point. It's the fact that I'm not on my phone. I am literally just giving myself the time and the space to just be quiet, to be still, to feel more rested. And I promise you, I wake up in that like 10 to 20 minutes and I feel so much better, mm -hmm. so much more awake, so much more vibrant, ready to take on my day. 
but I think it's literally, it's not meditating. It doesn't have to be sleep. It is literally just, it's like giving me a 10 minute to 20 minute timeout and just giving myself permission to do nothing and not feel guilty about it. So that's been super helpful. Um, And then I think other things I, you know, honestly, this is one I got from our client, Abby, Um, just taking a shower. I was going to say napping, man. Yeah. That changes you, makes you feel better. It does. Like, I just like, I, I, and obviously you can't just hop in the shower at like random parts of the day, but especially at night, like when a lot of that overwhelm or a lot of that, just like, you know, thinking of all the things that you either didn't get done in the day or all the stuff you've got going on the next day, you know, just to have that, it's, it's a pattern interrupt, right? Like just get in the shower again, you can't be doing anything else. And it just allows you to kind of sit with yourself. Oh, and I guess like the one I totally like, this is a big one. Sorry. My, maybe not. It's a big, big one is journaling. And I, I talked about that just before we hopped on. Like I, it really is an important, an important part of my life. I journal every day. And if you guys are ever looking, I'll, I'll, I'll put the link down below. I have a three, two, one journaling method. It has changed my life and changed the lives of my clients. Like, I'm not kidding. I'll give you the exact three-step system that I have. And it also comes with like 30 self-love affirmations to kind of like help rewire your brain and your self-talk. But anyway, I do a different form of journaling though, when I'm, when I'm feeling emotional and I, I have it, I mean, no one can see it right now, but like, I literally have it on top of the journal here right now. And it says, what's on your mind, Kels? Question mark. Like whenever I'm talking to myself, I call myself Kels. Um, but I literally put that question at the top of the page. What's on your mind, Kels? And then I just let myself go. And um, I guess like this can go into like the, like what sparked this. Oh my gosh. It's so interesting because I obviously, I want you guys to share things that are vulnerable or like, what is it called? So shame dies when we can tell our stories in a safe place, which is exactly Mm -hmm. why we've built the community that we have, because so many people feel so much shame about food or about not feeling comfortable or good enough in their bodies or all of those things. And so they're able to come to our coaching calls and actually share their story in a place where someone can just say, oh my gosh, me too. Like, I totally understand. And it, it seriously brings shame to light and it just like lets it, it lifts that weight off. Um, but there's also a difference between sharing like scars and wounds. Right. Um, and so this may be, I guess, a bit more of a wound and I, this may not be as safe of a place because like, this is just public, whatever, (laughs) I don't know who's listening, but at the end of the day, I also know who I am and I love who I am and I know my people, so I can share it. Um, anyway, so I've been um, getting back on the dating scene. Woohoo! <laughs> been <laughs> very single for let's see, almost nine months, eight months, somewhere around there, um, which has been by choice and and very much just a part of my healing journey. And I've got plenty of things going on in my life that you know um, a relationship just didn't fit. Uh, but here recently, like I said, I've settled down into Phoenix. I'm going to be in one place for a little while. And I was like, you know what, why not just see what's out there? Um, and so I got on the dating apps and I I went on, like, I only met two people. So I'm like, it's, it's fine. I recognize there's so many other people in the sea that is Arizona. Um, (laughs) and the The desert, the desert, (laughs) the dry sea. (laughs) 
the Dead Sea. <laughs> God. Um, anyway, so I met a guy that I, for me, I'm at this point in my life where like, I, I'm pretty clear about what I'm looking for. And so for me, I met this person that I just thought was like really, really lovely. And I was just like, oh man, like, okay, I, I could see, like they had a lot of the things I was looking for, like on paper. And he had said this too, but like on paper, it made sense. Um, but I just like, I realized that I was more ready for a serious relationship than he was. And like, um, so we had gone on three dates and yesterday we were supposed to go on our fourth date, but things just kind of transpired. And like, I realized like, so he had sent me a message yesterday morning. I had asked like, Hey, I haven't heard from you. Like, are we still on for tonight? Um, you know, I just want to make sure I plan my day out. And then like, and he sent me a very kind, like he's a very good guy, um, but a very nice message just being like, Hey, like I, you know, this is great. I, he's like, I just don't know how I feel about things. Um, I feel like your, your demeanor and just like some of the things that you've said, like, I just think you're more into this than I am ready for. Or I think he even said, like, I just don't feel like I'm at the capacity or the fortitude to be able to, to do this right now. Um, and so he's like, I think we should cancel tonight. And I was like, you know what, totally understand. And so we've just kind of like ended that. And there was nothing ever physical. Like I don't, like, it was just a lovely person. I've had three lovely um, dating experiences. I, we, it was great. So, but for me, and I kept telling like everybody, yeah, I'm fine. Like, I'm totally like, this is great. I said I was going to be fine. I told you, I was like, I, I, you know, I know there's tons of other people, if not this, something better, like I'm good. However, (laughs) (laughs) all last night for hours on end, I could not get off of my phone. In fact, it kept like dying because I just wouldn't give it, like I would charge it and then I'd get back on my phone. Like it was ridiculous. Um, Just watching endless amounts of like YouTubes or Instagrams or TikToks or whatever else just or constantly looking back for a little dopamine hit, like who's, who's viewed my reels or whatever else, you know what else? And um, anyway, so no, it's not emotional eating. I, that is no longer my autopilot. That is no longer the thing that I turn to. It used to be, it absolutely used to be my thing. But now I realize like I was replacing that behavior with social media and Mm -hmm. just searching, but it's the same thing, guys. I was searching for distraction. And finally, like at 11 o'clock last night, and I was like, all right, this is way late for you because I usually wake up super early. I'm like, what are you doing? I paused and I was just like, okay, Kels, it's time for you to like recognize that this behavior isn't serving you. And I turned the phone off. I pulled out my journal, even though I was tired. Um, and I wrote on there, I was like, what's on your mind, Kels? And I, I wrote on here, I have it written. It's like, honestly, I, I guess I'm, I'm hurt. I'm disappointed. I feel rejected. I feel some self-doubt. I feel frustrated. Like, and like, notice again, I'm not saying I am, and I'm not saying, and it was, it, it was hard for me to admit these feelings. I don't want to admit these feelings. I don't want to admit that I feel hurt or disappointed or whatever, like that sucks, but you know what? It's true. Like, and these emotions were uncomfortable and I didn't want to feel them. And I didn't want to talk about them. I wanted to just be, Oh, I'm good. Oh, I'm okay. But that's toxic positivity. And that's not 
not me allowing myself to feel my feelings. And until we give ourselves the space to feel our feelings, like we're going to continue doing these unserving behaviors. And again, that can be, that can be a lot of things, guys. That could be emotional eating. That could be mindlessly scrolling on, on social media. That could be just binge watching Netflix. That could be drinking alcohol, like to excess. That could be, that could be reaching out hmm, to other men or to other people just trying to get that validation. Um, it could be, you know, toxic relationships. Like there's a lot of things that you could be doing that aren't serving you. And it's because you're not giving yourself the time and the space to actually feel your feelings. So that was a long story, but that is what happened. <laughs> I don't think that there wouldn't be people that relate to it. That's for sure. Um, one of the first things that I was thinking about when you were kind of talking about once you started noticing the behavior you were doing, um, one of the practice like worksheet type things that I learned um, in treatment what it's called a behavioral chain analysis mm. and we used to call them BC BCAs like you know BCAAs and so right. like, okay. um, but essentially I'm just gonna I can attach the worksheet um, into the show notes but awesome. it's basically it says to identify why we do what we do when it seems to be so counterproductive and and so it it makes you sit there and I used to hate to do them like my if I you know had a binging episode or something happened my dietitian or my therapist would make me do one and I used to hate there I used to hate it I used to hate sitting down and like thinking about it and when you backtrack it totally makes sense I mean for the most part it makes sense like what 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 whether it was an emotion or it was um, somebody said something to you and you just like, were triggered, whatever you want to call it. Like there's always something that is prompting that behavior. So, um, the prompting event and then triggers a thought. So this one, the example was interpersonal conflict, trigger thought person doesn't like me trigger emotion, self-hatred or self-doubt or whatever you want to put in there target behavior. So what do you want to change? Um, this one says frantic efforts to reconcile differences. And then there's two things. It says short-term relief. What does the target behavior fix or validate or soothe in that moment? And then long-term consequences. What is recurring overall? Um, like, what are these negative core beliefs that are trying to protect me and not really serving me? Um, and then it has you list out like solutions, um, ways to repair this one specifically for interpersonal mm -hmm. Um, and then it has you list out, and this was so key for me, vulnerability factors. Mm -hmm. um, so vulnerability factors are anything like you just got in a fight with somebody you love. Um, you got two hours of sleep last night and you, you know, went out and had a drinking night or something, you know, with your friends um, and your boss just gave you a negative review. It's all of these things that are like the things that are going to weigh you down and make you more susceptible, more vulnerable to these ineffective behaviors. Um, and so I used to, my therapist used to put it like, we all kind of have a threshold, right? Um, and, and noticing, and you can kind of, I don't, it's a lot easier for me now, but I used to like kind of on a daily basis be like, okay, what things am I susceptible to today? Like, and, and if they're, you know, sleep, working out, um, eating, you know, good balanced meals and, you know, your top five or whatever. And if one of those is compromised, well, what can you do to be less susceptible to giving into these events? 
Um, and so she was always just saying like, is your threshold low today? Is your tolerance low today? And when you start thinking about it, you're like, oh yeah, like I just totally griped at that person or I just totally, you know, you start becoming aware of these things and then you have to start rewiring like, okay, I'm going to do this behavior instead of that behavior. Um, and it does get challenging, but it is possible. I promise you. Um, the, the example that I just gave was kind of a, um, not as specific, but the one that I will attach, um, really goes into these thoughts that you would have. Um, and then allows you to be like, it creates a sense of awareness. I think of, okay, the next time this happens, Mm -hmm. the next time you go on a date or, you know, whatever, I'm going to be more aware because I've already dealt with this. And that should bring, I think, a sense of confidence. Like I've, I have taken the time to do the work and look into this as to why I'm doing the things that I'm doing. Yeah, no, I love, sorry. I love that. Like I, and that's, those are new things for me, new tools for me as well. And I, I think it's really important just to like you said, be aware. I think it's also really important. This is part of our like four steps to like emotional resilience is to articulate what it is that you're actually feeling, articulate what the actual thoughts are. Um, And I think that also like step two is that separating yourself from it, recognizing that you are not your thoughts. You are not your feelings, right? You are the observer of your thoughts. You are the observer of your feelings. And from there, just recognizing like, and that's okay. It is okay that I feel hurt. It is okay that I feel frustrated. It is okay that I feel overwhelmed. I'm a human being. There's nothing wrong with me. This is just a part of of life. And so then from there, like the more awareness you can have, then you can recognize, well, what do I really need right now? Like, what do I really need right now to feel better to that's, that's actually going to be effective, right? That's actually going to help me. Um, and I think, like you said, like just having it actually like written out step by step. So it can feel like you said, frustrating, it can feel tedious, but how helpful. And now you have this like roadmap for the yeah. next time that you will guys, cause it, it is going to happen. Like the, this welcome to life. Like, yeah. (laughs) And one of the things, I mean, the, this behavioral chain analysis, it's not asking you what you ate. It doesn't like nobody, we don't care. You know, your diet, if you have a dietitian, if you have a therapist, like nobody cares what you ate, it's why you're doing it. And that's the whole point of it is, you know, I think a lot of us live in that like autopilot zombie, just like kind of on the hamster wheel type of thing. And this creates a very intentional type of awareness mm-hmm. and it, you're not going to go into a similar situation, like not knowing that this has yeah. already happened. Like you've already created that kind of flag, um, in your brain. And, and so it's, again, like these experiences should make you feel like you have evidence that you can deal with these things. Um, and that brings a sense of confidence. I, I feel like, I mean, it kind of does for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, one of a good book to read that I read in January, it's called the untethered soul. Oh, um, yes. I've been wanting to, Oh my gosh. Like it, it, it talks so much about the observer and that once you stop identifying, like I am sad, I am depressed. Like 
your world will change. Like you can, I'm also, oh my gosh, these books, I'm reading the happiness project. So this kind of goes along with it, but, um, like once she, this lady is like trying to do all these things to make herself happy, but her even just saying, I'm going to focus on happiness. I don't know what happiness looks like. It's making her happier. Um, and, and so one of the things that she said, and this kind of goes into like, what, what can I do to build myself back up? Like, what do I need is to make a list. I mean, you in the program, we have like a menu, um, you know, of things that you can kind of go to. Some people like to separate it out by like high energy things and low energy things. So like, you know, going on a hike would be more of a high energy thing. Whereas a low energy would be laying in bed and reading one of your favorite books. Right. Um, but she talked about like, I'm not going to write things on this list that I don't like to do. Cause yeah. you know, some people are like, Oh, I'll take a bubble bath. But what if you don't like bubble baths? Like yeah. you don't have to do the things that you don't like to do, do things that are genuinely and like uniquely yours. Mm-hmm. Um, like don't look on Pinterest because you'll be like, Oh, I have to paint my walls and I have to like vacuum and do all of these things. Um, but really taking the time of like, what are the things that actually make you feel better? Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, have filled you up in the past that, you know, have kind of like recharged you, um, and then start doing those things. And I like to separate them out into like high energy and low energy. Cause typically like if I'm feeling these like distressing emotions, I will tend to go for the lower energy. Yeah. Um, and then after I kind of like recover my little bounce back is more of like a high energy type of soothing method, I guess, if you will. That's so true. Like for me, it's, I, I used to be a runner. Like I used to run cross country in high school and college. And now if you ever see me running, there's a problem. I am upset. (laughs) That is, that is my high energy, um, thing. Like, and, and it's like, I'll be doing full on sprints because I'll have so much overwhelm or frustration or anger. Usually it's at myself, but whatever. And the only way that I feel like I can get it out is to sprint it out. Like, um, it's, it's really, really interesting. Um, but obviously like there, that's not what that's not what I always want to do or need to do or whatever else. Um, and I, I think one thing just to reiterate for everybody that I really love, and I hope people understand you are not your thoughts, guys. I am not sad. I am not lonely. I feel sad. I feel lonely. And if you need help separating yourself a little bit, something else you can kind of do is think about like, where in your body do you feel this emotion? Um, you can also give the emotion a color. You can give the emotion a shape. Um, and it just really does help to like recognize, oh, this is not me. I mean, I think mm-hmm. other things you can like take it, take the emotion and you can put it in the passenger seat of the car and be like, thank you. I will be driving from here on out. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? But again, just recognizing that it is not you. You do have the power in how you are reacting. And I think too, like one last kind of like thing that I want to touch on is rather than looking at emotional eating, if that is something you're doing or binge eating and being like, Oh my gosh, I'm never going to figure this thing out. Like I suck. Like, (laughs) which again is only going to cue you to do more of that thing to like, you know, get away from that negative emotion. If you could instead just look at it like an indicator light in your car, like on the dashboard. Mm -hmm. 
and just being like, oh, I just, I need to change the oil or the engine check engine, the check engine light is on. And just being like that, like I did last night, like I was incessantly just watching like tons and tons of these little videos. And I'm like, this is not me. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Okay, some this is my indicator light. Something I need to look under the hood a second and I need to like see what's really going on. And so if you find yourself like mindlessly eating and or mindlessly overeating or drinking or you know just texting people that you know aren't good for you or whatever it is, just take a moment and pause and just be like, huh, I wonder if this is trying to tell me that there's something I'm not dealing with right now. And just like looking at it as almost like a positive, as just like a chance for you to just recalibrate. A little bit. Yeah, I think that. Well, I'm going to share one of my favorite quotes from the Untethered Soul because when I read it, I like want. I was just like, "Whoa!" I mean, my he talks a lot about like the seat of consciousness, and essentially, this is what he says. He says, "There is nothing more important to true growth than realizing you are not the voice of the mind; you are the one that hears it." And that was such a perspective shift for me that there is always going, he calls it melodrama. Like there's always going to be this melodrama in your head. Get freaking used to it. You're a human. It's going to happen for the rest of your life. And notice that like, you're just, just kind of stepping back a little bit and saying, oh, there's a lot going on here. And, you know, I like to kind of like categorize things, you know, in my brain, but just knowing that it kind of gives you a step back of there's always going to be stuff going on in our weird little wired brains and to be able to really take a step back and just observe. And there always are going to be things that, you know, the thought turns into an emotion, turns into a habit or, you know, an action and, and there's going to be that. Um, but this book, I really recommend it. It's a little, there, it's a lot, like it'll make your brain hurt. Um, <laughs> significantly uh but it definitely changed my perspective on a lot of things especially because I was really much so in that state of like identifying with these things that were holding me back um and now being on the other mostly on the other side of it like it's so important to realize like there's just always going to be something in your brain and and these are it's not your full identity it's part of you know a little piece of it um so last thing I wanted to say was, um, I, I think like the, the last part piece for me was like, just knowing that I, the, the emotional eating, the binges, whatever, I just had to tell myself that those were going to happen when I was first starting all this. Yes. Um, the thought of never binging again, you know, last year at this time, even in December, like, I couldn't even conceptualize that in my brain, nor could I think that I could go a day without it. So why would I start thinking like what it's going to look like 10 years down the road? Um, but knowing that these things might happen or will happen and it's okay. And that these are just, you know, points in my life and it's kind of the check engine light thing, mm -hmm. but I just really had to tell myself it's day by day, like one day um, by one day, by one day. And then you look back at it, you know, it's been seven, you know, six, seven months. Mm -hmm. So just understanding that you can really cut down that time and just say, you know, just for today, I'm not going to binge. There were times when I was like, I'm going to wait until my next meal. And if I still feel that, 
then I can. But chances are, once I'm actually feeding my body regularly and I'm now aware of it, those things stopped happening as often. Mm-hmm. So, oh, just I love that. Yeah. I mean, the, the, it's telling somebody to stop, you know, abusing a drug and they're just like, what are you talking about? And I don't think I, when people talk about recovery and eating and stuff, I don't think that it's beneficial to say that these things didn't happen along this journey of healing your relationship with food, because there's people that think, oh, like they just stopped one day. And the reality is that they just got these ineffective eating habits, whether it's binging, eating, you know, purging, restricting, they just stopped happening as often. And then slowly, but surely they fade out. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just makes it a little bit more manageable, I think on a day-to-day basis, at least that helped for me. 100%. I see it all the time in these support groups where they're talking about just like three days binge free. And I'm like, Oh, please stop. I know. <laughs> like, it's painful. I please stop counting the days. Like, cause it's like, you're setting yourself up that like the moment, like the moment you do binge or go back to an old habit that was triggered by whatever. Now you're like, now I've failed. Now I have to start all over. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like it's just expect that these things are going to happen. It was autopilot for a reason. You've like wired this into your brain that this is, this is just what you do. Like when you're triggered, it doesn't mean you don't have power, but just recognize that it's going to take some time. And, and the one thing I will say about that guys is like recognize for anything to become a habit, there has to be some form of a reward. And so Mm -hmm. if you want to stop the habit, um, A, obviously be proactive and make a list of other behaviors you can do instead. But if you find yourself in the middle of it, right? Mm-hmm. If you find yourself, and I still remember this moment where I like, I was there, I was overwhelmed with something and all of a sudden, like I bl- blacked out, whatever. And I came to, and I, I like, I'm in the refrigerator at my friend's house with a handful of like cold spaghetti noodles in my hand. And I'm like, like I wake up and it's like, I'm trying to like put it in my mouth and I pause there for a moment. I'm like, what am I doing? How did I even get here right now? And then I set the noodles down. I closed the refrigerator door and I patted myself on the back and I I literally said out loud, good job, Kels, like good job. And so guys just recognize, even if you did eat, even if you did start emotionally eating, whatever, if you can pause and stop and have that self-awareness instead of beating yourself up, be like, oh my gosh, I'm recognizing this. This is exciting. This is really great. And then celebrate yourself. Allow yourself to feel proud of yourself for recognizing it and stopping and choosing to do something else because that's super, super hard. And the more you do that, the easier it gets and the more likely you are to actually recognize it before it even happens. And then it gets easier and easier and easier. So I really, guys, just recognize things still do happen. You're never going to be perfect but um, you do have the power to start changing and, and put that time horizon in. It doesn't have to be, take it by day, by day, by day, right? Like, um, I think that's huge. It's a very good point. So. That was good. Man, this was, there was a lot in here today, guys. I, I would love to know, like, please leave a comment and let us know. We talked about a whole bunch of different frameworks. Um, yep. We will be having a whole bunch of different um, links. Resources. Down and resources, please know, like, we just genuinely care. Like 
we, we want to give you as much free resources and content as possible because this really is our mission. Um, and we know that like, if, if you want more help or if you want more guidance um, than, than the free resources we offer, we do have a beautiful support system, a beautiful community and an entire online course that really deep dives into each and every single one of the steps that we've taken to find food freedom and to find confidence in our body. And again, just to have that support system around you that when those inevitable just hiccups <laughs> or, or mm -hmm. um, low moments happen, now you have a support system and people that you can talk to and, um, and just feel heard and understood and, and validated and, and all of the things. So if you'd like to learn more about that, um, we'll leave a link. You can always book a free strategy session with me and we can talk about um, whether it'd be a good fit for you to join our, our um, community. And um, yeah, anything else you want to say before we wrap things up? Rate, view, subscribe, and make sure to turn your notifications on. So when we post a podcast, you automatically know. Um, we have been releasing them on Tuesdays. So just generally knowing that you're going to get some good, some good combos on Tuesdays. So yeah, I love it. Well, thank you, Miss Victoria, for yes thank you sharing with me sharing with us i hope you all thank have you for sharing amazing. your story thank you i actually do feel better it's very strange good, good. <laughs> all right you guys have a lovely rest of your week and we'll chat with you later bye guys bye